Well, good morning, Mountain View. So good to see you. What a great group of young people we have here. Come on, let's give it up for these guys. These are awesome, awesome young people. Well, it's so good to be uh, able to share with you this morning. Again, if you haven't met me, I'm Brian Eldridge, and I'm the new associate pastor here at Mountain View. Uh, We've been here for two months now, and it's just been great to get to know the staff and get to know some of you. In fact, uh, Aaron and Heidi are just doing an awesome job. I just love those guys. They're just really uh, pouring their lives into our young people and just excited to be able to partner with them. And of course, our pastor, John and Cheryl, what great people. I mean, my goodness, just they love people so much. It's so evident. I hear like John's always telling me stories like, hey, this thing and that thing. And every, every time he talks about a person, there's a story that he tells, tells me. And you know what that tells me is that he cares. Like he cares about you. He cares about people. It's so evident in how he operates every day, and, and he knows people's stories, and he wants to know people's stories, and that's awesome. So we have a great pastor who has a great heart, and it's an honor to be able to share this morning. You know what? Uh, he doesn't have to give me this time to share. Uh, he could preach every Sunday, and that would be totally fine. But he's given me the opportunity to be a part of this team and to share on a somewhat regular basis. So thank you, John, for the honor to be able to, to, to speak this morning. I appreciate it. Hey, I love Twinkies. Anybody else like Twinkies? Come on, let me butter you up this morning. This is my first Sunday. Uh, there we go. All right, anybody else? Aaron, all right, one for you. I got one more. Come on, all right, right here. There we go. I love Twinkies. Now, there's a story behind why I'm just throwing Twinkies at you this morning. Uh, the only fight I ever got in was over a Twinkie. And I'm going to share that story with you this morning. I was in fifth grade, and I was a pretty small kid. In fact, I was probably about 100 pounds soaking wet. And there was this kid at my school, his name was Calvin, and he was a bully. And I didn't like Calvin very much. In fact, uh, he was much larger than me. And he'd push me around all the time. He'd tease me. And he'd call me names, you know, skinny and pizza face and all this stuff. And I just really wanted to punch Calvin in the face, honestly. But I couldn't do that because Calvin would literally crush me into, into like nothing, you know. <laughs> he would kill me. And so uh, one day, I happened to be eating a Twinkie. And by the way, don't eat those Twinkies in here because Clackamas Community College has a policy. <laughs> Forgot to mention that. No food or drink, okay? But it's in a package. Save it for later. So I'm eating a Twinkie. And in fact, it was a special day because it was Friday and my mom put a Twinkie in my lunch. Now, that was rare, but she's, she's a nice mom, and so she gave me treats once in a while. So I'm opening up this Twinkie, and I'm just about ready to take a bite. And who walks by but Calvin? And Calvin knocks that Twinkie out of my hand, and the Twinkie hits the ground. And it gets all filled with sand and dirt. And I'm telling you what, man, something came over me. I mean, it was like a holy, righteous indignation, right? <laughs> came over me. And I clenched my fist, and Calvin was really tall. And I went like this, right in the stomach, because I didn't have the heart to hit him in the face. I hit him right in the stomach, about as hard as I could. I don't think this kid had ever been punched before in his life in any place, because he was completely shocked. Now, in that moment, like time stood still, and I looked at Calvin, and he looked at me, and I was like freaked out, like he's going to kill me. And his face just turned completely red all the way down. And he turned around. And he walked away, and I ran like crazy to get out of there. Fight or flight, man. I was out of there. because I, I knew Calvin couldn't catch me because he was slow. That's the only time I've ever punched anybody. Hopefully, it's the only time I have to, right? But here's the thing. 
Calvin never bothered me again. Now, I'm not advocating violence here this morning, okay? Please understand me. But it worked in this situation. But I was not going to be intimidated anymore. I had had enough. And enough was enough. Anybody here ever been bullied before? Come on, raise your hand. You've been bullied? Yeah, it's okay. Admit it's okay. In the New Testament, the religious leaders of the day tried to bully and intimidate the apostles and the believers into not speaking about Jesus. And all these kinds of things were happening in the New Testament. Now, these kinds of things are happening in our world today as well. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, the apostles were able to overcome the intimidation. And I believe that we can overcome the intimidation of the world as well. And I'm going to show you that this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it can pierce our hearts and it can change our lives. And today I pray your Holy Spirit would move in this place. Do what I cannot do through these words, through your word, Lord Jesus. And speak to hearts and lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's jump right in this morning. Number one, the enemy and the world will try to intimidate us. If you remember this story last week, we've been in this series called The Summer of Power. Last week we covered Acts chapter 3, and John talked about this miracle that Peter and John did. On their way to pray at the temple, they picked up a crippled man who had been crippled from birth, and all of a sudden this guy is jumping and leaping and praising God. Now this caused quite a stir in the community, as if you couldn't tell. I mean, you, you can imagine these Jewish religious leaders were trying to squelch the name of Jesus. And here Peter and John come along, heal a guy, and he's, they're telling him all that Jesus did it. So there's this big stir that's happening in this walking community where everyone knows each other, and they're giving credit to Jesus, the same Jesus that the Jewish relig- religious leaders had crucified. His name is not going away. We pick up the story in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Obviously, they wanted to outnumber Peter and John. They brought the big muscle. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. So despite the fact that they were being intimidated, put in jail, the number of believers were growing. The next day, verse 5, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. Now they're bringing all the highfalutin religious leaders around. They want to really intimidate Peter and John. And they ask them this question. They begin to question them. And they said, by what power or what name did you do this? That's pretty intimidating, isn't it? All those big religious leaders right in your face. Why, who did you, why are you doing this? The same authorities who tried, who tried and killed this dangerous rabbi, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, now sought to intimidate and silence his followers. And these are religious leaders who are putting someone in jail. Now that just shouldn't happen, right? I mean, I understand the government, someone breaks the law, you put them in jail, right? They have the power to do that. But these are religious leaders. Don't they see that there's a miracle that just took place here? Don't they imagine that maybe somehow this Jesus guy could be the real deal? But no, they take him, they put him in jail. 
The Sadducees were actually a member of a small but very powerful uh, Jewish sect. And they believed in the Pentateuch alone. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That was it. That was the gospel. There was nothing else but that. So there was no resurrection of the dead that they could see in those books of God's word. And so because they could find no evidence, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. In fact, they didn't believe in a Messiah at all. They believed that it was just an ideal, but not a real, literal person who would intervene in history. And so these religious leaders, who are supposed to be spiritual leaders in the community, are way off base because they missed it, right? And they're being used by the enemy to, to, to intimidate Peter and John and the other apostles and the believers. You ever been in a situation like that where someone was trying to intimidate you or keep you from speaking or keep you from doing something that you didn't want to do or wanted to do? I love what Jane Austen said. Jane Austen, who wrote Pride and Prejudice, she's this little lady. She says, my courage always rises with every attempt to intimidate me. I love that. I mean, this little gal, my courage always rises with every attempt to intimidate me. Now, I got to share a story that my friend and mentor, uh, Pastor Stan Russell, shared in, uh, with his congregation a couple years ago. He's a pastor in Tualatin, and I was a part of the church there. And, and uh, he shared the story. It's just so fitting this morning. And so since he shared it publicly, I feel like I can share it this morning. So Stan was an athlete. Uh, he was a, a, a football player, basketball player, played baseball. And he, uh, he was playing for the Dallas High School football team, JV football. And they played Newburgh one night. And they beat them 47-7. to It was a blowout win. And so they were playing in Newburgh. And they actually had to, uh, there was, in, at that time, after the game, everybody would go to the showers, right? Hit the showers. They don't do that these days because smartphones and just probably not, I don't know, not a good idea. So, but they all went to the showers. And in this situation, both teams had to share like one shower, right? So it's a big shower area. And so he's in there and, and uh, kind of getting the sweat off from the game. And, and some big guy, now you got to remember, Stan's about 5'8", like 150, 60 pounds, okay? He's a, he's a sophomore. And this big guy comes and taps him on the shoulder from the other team and says, hey, you're in my shower. And Stan turns around and you gotta, he's like, kind of like Jane Austen, right? You know, courage rises with him. Every attempt to intimidate me, he's like, I'll be done in a minute. He turns around, keeps going. And the guy taps him on the shoulder again and says, hey, you're in my shower. Now, this guy was like six foot, 220 pounds. This big dude, right? 200, 200 pounds. And he was muscular. And Stan looked back at him again and said, well, I'll be done in a minute. And he continued to shower. Now, some interesting thing about this story. The guy that was tapping him on the shoulder was Pat Casey. Pat Casey, who played for Newburgh High School, was an incredible athlete. Now, Pat Casey, we know as the, the head coach, former head coach of the OSU Beavers, three College World Series. I mean, the guy was an incredible coach, right? But he was also an amazing athlete in Oregon. In fact, um, he scored 27 points a game in basketball. And he was also an all-star in football. One, one year in the Shrine game, he scored all 17 points for his team, right? Two touchdowns, two extra points because he was a kicker, and a field goal. I mean, that's pretty incredible, right? This guy was an amazing athlete. So here is this big 6'2", 200-pound dude standing over Stan, my friend. And he says, get out of my shower. And Stan looks at him and says, I'll be done in a minute. So, he, so Pat Casey grabs him by the shoulder and 
pulls on him, as if to pull him out of the shower, and Stan clenches his fist and goes whack right up here and just clocks him right in the face. And then there's a brawl in the shower, okay? So all these guys are like jumping on each other and punching, and Stan kind of finds his way out of it. And he's standing there looking at the shower and all these bodies, and he's like, man, that's disgusting. I don't want to go back in there. That's gross. So he just kind of watches what happens, and he takes off. But he was not going to be intimidated. Now, funny story. So he obviously became a pastor, and Pat Casey actually became a believer as well and is a wonderful man. But I love this, this idea that my courage rises with every attempt to intimidate me. I'm not going to be intimidated. And the word intimidate from the Cambridge Dictionary means to frighten or threaten someone, usually in order to persuade the person to do something he or she does not wish to do. So this is what Peter and John were facing. And we too will face intimidation that runs against our faith in Christ. We will have people that will try to keep us from sharing Christ, and, and they don't want to hear about it. And there, there, will, there will be intimidation that will rise at times. And we need to have courage to stand up in those times of intimidation and to be willing to share the truth. And one of the ways we do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit, because the power of the Holy Spirit gives boldness. Boldness. You see that all through the Scriptures. They prayed. God came. The Holy Spirit came. They spoke the Word of God Boldly. We see it over and over again. Look at 1 Peter 3.14. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. The Bible also says that those who live godly lives will be persecuted. Have you been persecuted for your faith? When was the last time someone persecuted you or teased you or or intimidated you to not speak. Maybe we're not standing up as much as we should. Either way, persecution and intimidation is only going to increase as we go throughout history and and we get closer to Jesus' return. So intimidation is real and it happens. Number two, we need to live and speak in the power of the Holy Spirit. Live and speak in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you examine the Bible, you will see time and time again that the power of the Holy Spirit comes in correlation with prayer. And yes, you should read your Bible. Yes, you should journal. You should do those things. But without prayer, you will not be able to withstand the pressure of the world. And prayer is not always easy, is it? It's hard sometimes. Look at verse 8 in Acts chapter 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's key, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. Remember, all these bigwigs are like standing right in front of them. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. I mean, they are not backing down. They are sharing the truth. Now, some of you may be thinking, you know, Brian, I'm not really an outspoken person. You know, I'm kind of shy, a little passive. I don't really like to get into argumentative things or, you know, I just, that's not me. You know, I, I get that. Okay, I, I understand that God uses personalities and people differently. But here's the thing. Across the board, we should all be willing to open our mouths 
and share about the love and goodness of God and the truth of the gospel. No matter if we're quiet or not, we should all be willing to do that. Because all I know is that I've seen some silent movies, and they're not as exciting as like full-blown Dolby Digital Pro sound, right? It's just not as cool, right? It's not as powerful. It's not as effective. In the same way, we need to turn the volume up a little bit on the gospel and not be afraid to share the truth with our neighbors, with our friends, our coworkers, so they can also experience the love of Jesus. Now, I understand it's not easy, right? Because here's what happens. When we start to talk about Jesus, they're going to say, well, you know, what about, what about abortion? You know, what do you think about that? Or, or what about creation versus evolution? And it kind of gets off topic. What about LGBT issues and all that stuff? You know, it's always getting off topic when we bring up Jesus. That's a, that's a, uh, it's a common thing to happen. We can't focus on those side arguments, we have to focus on Jesus because we can't, we can't be afraid to offend somebody. Listen, I didn't make this up. This is the scriptures. This is what God has told us. And Jesus even offended some people with the truth. Peter and John, they spoke with wisdom and with boldness, but they weren't mean. They weren't harsh. They weren't cruel. They just spoke the truth in love. And that's what God's asking us to do. Look at 1 Peter 3.15. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Now notice in that scripture the correlation between living a good life and speaking the truth, right? Right? If we're not living and, and producing the fruit of the Spirit through the Spirit in our lives, and we try to share the truth, what's going to happen? Things aren't going to line up, right? That doesn't mean we have to be perfect, okay? But the more we look like Jesus, the more the world will be drawn to us. Well, how do we look like Jesus? That begins with producing, seeing that fruit of the Spirit produced in our lives. When we display that love, joy, and peace, people will see that, and it will draw them to Jesus and not just see a big mouth that's sharing the truth, right? Because we have to come with truth, but also with grace, like we just read. Be ready to explain it in a gentle and respectful way. When I was in high school, I was a closet Christian for the first two years of high school. I did not want to talk about my faith. You know, I was afraid I was going to be teased by my friends. And so I just steered clear of the Jesus talk or the church talk or anything like that. Just kind of stayed under the radar, you know, did my thing. I was like the nice guy on campus. I didn't swear or, you know, sleep around or go to parties and stuff. But I was cool to people and, you know, tried to be a good friend to people. And, and, uh, and that was all. But I felt like the, the summer of my junior year, going into my junior year, that the Lord was challenging me a little bit to be more active in my faith on campus. So that was tough for me because I was a little more shy. I wasn't super popular, but I had some friends. And so... Uh, I thought, God, how can I do this? And I went to camps and got all fired up. And that summer I was ready to just tell people that I was a Christian. I'm, and you can have Jesus in your life too, and he'll change your life. And I was ready to share. But how was I going to do that? I'm not going to stand up on my lunch table and share Jesus with everybody. And I'll, be, I'll be ridiculed for that. So back in those days, seemed, I sound like I'm really old there. <laughs> back in those days, a long time ago, we had these things called Christian t-shirts were becoming popular. And I thought, what if I just wore like a Christian t-shirt? just to start a conversation. So I did, <laughs> and I felt like it was a big mistake. Because you know what I got from wearing that Christian t-shirt? Nothing but persecution and intimidation. 
and like people teasing me and making fun of me. Oh, you're a Christian? And it was never about Jesus, right? It was always about, oh, you're a Christian? You guys believe that you're not supposed to have sex before you're married. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Or, you know, you're a Christian, you're not supposed to do this. You just guys just believe in a bunch of lists of do's and don'ts. I don't ever want to be a Christian. That's no fun. That's what I heard from my friends. I was like, wow, really, guys? I mean, Jesus can change. Jesus is provided a way for us to, to have eternal life and all this. And I, was, I would share the truth with them. And all I'd get was all these side arguments all the time. And I was frustrated. I'm like, God, is anybody ever going to receive you as, as Lord? Because they need you, Jesus. And uh, I remember talking to my youth pastor, and, and, and he's like, you're planting seeds, Brian. You're planting seeds. You're plant-. I said, man, this seed planting thing is not fun. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. you got to keep going. Gotta keep planting those seeds. And so I did. I just planted seeds. And eventually I stopped wearing the Christian T-shirts because I was getting teased so much. But uh, I did still talk about my faith. And how Jesus made a difference in my life. And you know what's interesting? It's like years later, people have reached out to me on Facebook and said, hey, you know what? You were a great witness for me. I gave my life to Jesus a few years ago. Someone watered that seed. And then someone harvested that. Oh, yeah, I've got more than one of these that's happened. I think, God, you did something through that time. And and the persecution that I went through, obviously it's not anything like what people are going through in Northern Africa, but it's persecution nonetheless. And for a 15, 16 year old kid, it was hard. But you know what gave me strength to get through that and not give up? I'll tell you what it was. It was a commitment to prayer. For the first time in my entire life, I committed to pray and seek God on a regular basis. And my youth pastor used to come to my house every Tuesday morning. He'd pick me up and we'd go pray with a group of uh, people before school. And there was one, one Tuesday where I was still in bed and my youth pastor came and knocked on my door. And I was still in my room in my bed, and he opened the door, and he's like, Brian, what are you doing, man? You're, well, we have prayer this morning. Jesus rose from the dead, and you can't even get out of bed. That's kind of what I felt like anyway. I'm like, oh, man, I was so embarrassed. But you know what? I got up, I got ready, and I went to prayer with him that day. And I continued to do that all throughout the fall. And God just gave me this power that I never realized I could have, and this, this passion that I was, it was so fired up for Jesus, and I was, I was ready to share and have that boldness to share him with anybody that I came in contact with. You see, when we develop an intimacy with God, we can talk to him, and we can ask him for his help on a regular basis, every day. It's like an ongoing conversation. People talk about praying without ceasing. How do you do that? You just have a conversation with God all day long. You don't say it out loud while you're at your desk. People think you're weird, right? You just talk to him in your head, Jesus. Thank you so much for this job. You know, just having an awareness as I drive to work in the morning, as I get up in the morning, before I start my day, as I drive to work, as I drive home and get ready to be with my family, I'm always talking, having an awareness of God and who he is. And prayer really is the key to unlocking the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because of this miracle that Peter and John did, many people found Jesus. Their number grew to 5,000. Wow. It's like revival's breaking out right here. People are getting saved. They're giving their lives to Christ. In the same way, we need the Holy Spirit's power to be able to pray for people and they'll be healed because the power of the Spirit is working through us, like John talked about last week. That can be a catalyst to seeing people come to Christ, just like this situation. There have been times where I've been like playing basketball in the past when I played basketball and some guy twists their ankle on the court, and this has happened to me two or three times. The first time it happened, literally, I'm like, 
I felt the Holy Spirit say, go pray for them. Well, I know they're not a Christian. A lot of these guys aren't Christians. I don't want to be the weird guy, you know. Pray. Can I pray for you? So I said, ah, God, I, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. So I didn't do it. I actually disobeyed the Holy Spirit's voice. And I've done that before. I, I'm certainly not perfect. But there are other times where I have listened to the Holy Spirit's voice and said, yeah, okay, I'll go. And I prayed for someone. And later on, they came back and told me, hey, you know what? I really appreciate your prayer for me. God didn't heal me miraculously, but I certainly started to feel better. So thank you for that. I don't know. I don't know what God would do through me or through you. And here's the thing. You know, I believe that the power of healing is available for us today through prayer. And we can pray in faith. That's what the scripture says. For our families, for our friends, for our kids, that they would be healed. Now, obviously, no one, we, we don't, not everybody gets healed, right? Otherwise, like, we could all go to the hospital today and clear them out, right? They would be out of business because we'd just be praying for everybody. Healed, 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 bye-bye, have a great day, you know? That, should, that doesn't happen, right? It doesn't happen, but it doesn't necessarily mean that someone might not be healed. And we need to believe and ask God for healing first instead of just saying, okay, God, whatever your will is. No, how about, God, would you heal this person? Let's start there. Because he may do it. We don't know what he has planned for that person. I love this quote from Mark Batterson. He says, when you pray to God regularly, irregular things will happen in a regular way. Love that. Leonard Ravenhill said this, a man who is intimate with God is not intimidated by man. So we need to remember that we can live and speak in the power of God of the Holy Spirit. Number three, this is our final point this morning. Courageously obey God rather than man. Courageously obey God rather than man. Uh, Probably one of the most intimidating places I've ever been as far as resistance to the gospel is Turkey. I spent a week and a half in Turkey and if you go to Istanbul, it's cool, all the history and everything there. It's a beautiful city. It's, it's an amazing place. Uh, and it, they're pretty, you know, they're not, you're not worried as much there. It's safer. But there's outlying places in Turkey that we went. There's a specific place in eastern Turkey that we spent time in that's called the zero zone. Zero zone meaning zero Christians, zero churches. Nobody believes in Jesus there. And it's a mission field, right? It's unreached people groups. They're all uh, Muslims. And everywhere you look, there are these huge minarets, mosques, everywhere. And these little villages where people live. And in those places, they do not allow Bibles. Matter of fact, if you're caught with a Bible, you'll be detained. Uh, In those places, they don't want to hear about missionaries. They don't want to hear, they call it the M word. The missionaries say, don't call me a missionary that's the M word, because <laughs> they, will, they will pick up on that. They know what that means. And they will boot us out of this country or detain us or worse. And so it was a scary place. And I have to tell you, I was very intimidated in that situation. Like, what do we do, you know? We're, we're in this village. We're talking to people. We're friendly with people, you know. But what can we really do to impact these lives here and share Christ with people? Because it's like the imams are like, they're all over the place, man. They're making sure. They're watching out. Nothing weird's happening. No, we don't want any Christians around here. So here we are, and we're pretending to see these old ruins of are these Armenian churches. Remember that you've heard about the Armenian genocide. This is kind of where a lot of it took place, where these Christians were pushed out of their homes, 
These church buildings are still there. So you can find some crosses here and there. They've covered a lot of stuff up. They've torn them down. But these Christians had three options. They could either uh, leave the country, they could be killed, or they could convert to Islam. Those were their choices. And so a lot of them left. Some of them were killed. Some of them converted because they didn't want to leave their home. And here I am standing in these places, these, looking at these empty ruins of, of these Christians that used to meet here, and the gospel was here, and now there's nothing here. And I was like, whoa, God, this is like nothing I've ever experienced before. I began to think about our nation. I began to think about how our nation is moving in a direction that's becoming increasingly hostile to Christianity. I believe the day is coming, friends, when a pastor could possibly go to jail for speaking the truth of the gospel and talking about sin and repentance. It's possible. There's a term called hate speech that could be eventually applied to what the Bible says. And as government power increases, the punishment to those who speak out will be felt. But we need to remain courageous. We need to not be intimidated like Peter and John did, as they said in verse 11. Look at this. He is the stone you builders rejected, talking about Jesus, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. No other name. Now, that statement is not popular in our culture. There's only one way to heaven, friends, through Jesus Christ. That is not popular. The belief that Jesus is the only way is under attack in our nation. And people will try to intimidate us into not sharing it. But look at this in verse 13. When they saw the courage, though, of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. What did I talk about earlier? They saw Jesus in them. Oh, how I wish that could be said about me. Oh, how I wish that could be said about us, Mountain View, that, that people see us, they see, wow, they've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. Verse 14, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows They've done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. They wanted to edit out the name of Jesus. That's what TV likes to do, don't they? You know, I love the interviews after football games because they can't edit out the live interviews. There's people like, yeah, I just want to thank Jesus, man. He's made all the difference in my life. And I was like, yeah, let's go, baby. That's so awesome. You can't edit that out, right? But they want to. They want to edit it out. People get nervous. They want to change the subject. The name of Jesus is controversial. But look at verse 19. Look at what Peter and John said to this, to this warning. Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. We cannot help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. The question remains, will we obey God or man? Will we please God or man? Are we going to listen to the media or are we going to believe the word of God? Are we going to let politicians lead us or are we going to be led by God's spirit? See, the world's going to try to intimidate us. to not speaking in the name of Jesus, to not sharing the good news. 
to sweep it under the carpet. But Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow or deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. See, there's a, there's a pull in our nation, our culture, to, to just kind of accept everything, just celebrate everything, and it's all good. And There's all these different ways to, to find happiness and success and, and, uh, and life. And you know what? It's a hollow and deceptive philosophy. We need to be aware of those things. You know, in our nation today, it's not uncommon to see congressmen, senators, uh, putting people who have Christian faith sort of on trial even. And, and there's been some judges that have been uh, appointed in different places in our nation that these congressmen are accusing them of being unfit to serve because of their religious beliefs as Christians. And uh, there's not supposed to be a religious test, but that's what they're implying there should be. And this is happening on university campuses where there's a, uh, Christians are being labeled hateful and bigoted and privileged, among other, many other things. And it's just, there's an attack on Christianity in, in, in many places in the public square. So how do we dis- respond to a world that is increasingly hostile toward the views of the good news? They see it as bad news. Well, let me give you a, one quick thing before we wrap up today that I think will help us reframe the question. See, because a lot of people say, well, it's bigoted to think that Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's just, it's narrow-minded. Well, let, let's, just, let's just put ourselves, that put, immediately puts us on the defensive, doesn't it? Well, how about we f- reframe the question? When the world criticizes Christianity, it's saying, well, there's only one way to heaven. That's, that's not good. Shouldn't we all be grateful? We just turn around and say, shouldn't we all be grateful that there is a way? Shouldn't we be grateful that God has provided this incredible way? I mean, if this bur- building was burning and on fire, would we squawk about, well, there's only one exit we can take. The other ones are blocked or on fire, so that's no good. I and mean, we can't just have one exit. No, no, we're going to take that exit, right? We're going to go the way that's going to bring salvation to us, right? Save our lives. In the same way, God has given us an exit. And, and isn't it wonderful that God has chosen us And he hasn't left salvation to depend on our weak, feeble efforts. He's sent Jesus to take our place. It's good news. He secured salvation through his perfect death on the cross. And that perfect life of God himself was given in exchange for our our imperfect lives so that he might offer salvation to us as a free gift. And this good news gets even better because he's extended it to everyone what does the Bible say? Whosoever will call in the name of the Lord will be saved. What does the Bible say? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. That means everyone. Revelation, every tribe and every nation will be represented. That means everyone has offered this, this deal, right? This good news. Black, white, female, male, homosexual, heterosexual, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile, Muslim. You know, that doesn't sound narrow-minded or intolerant, doesn't it? Everyone, is available. everyone has this opportunity to say yes to Jesus. So don't be apologetic when someone says, well, you can't say there's only one way to Jesus. That's narrow mind. That's bigoted. Instead say, you know what? Shouldn't we be glad there's a way at all? Shouldn't we rejoice that God has provided this way for us? First, 2 Timothy 1.7, and we'll pray. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, 
and a sound mind. Let's pray. Bow your heads with me. Jesus, thank you so much for the good news of the gospel. That you have made a way for us to escape death, to overcome our sin and our shame and our guilt. Jesus, thank you that you've provided a way for us to have a relationship with you and the Father, to have eternal life in heaven. God, that is the good news. You have come to give us life and life abundantly. So today we look to you, Jesus, and we ask that you would search our hearts. Help us, God, to understand our role as believers and and for those of us that maybe are not followers of Jesus today, that they would feel, those people would feel a sense of your calling in their life. They would come to find you today, in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed for just a moment, friends. Please, no one looking around for just a couple minutes. I want to ask you, first of all, if you're not a follower of Jesus, but maybe you'd say, yes, today I want to follow Jesus. I need that way. I need to find that way. I need to give my life to Christ. I want to embrace Jesus. I want to embrace his love. I need his forgiveness. I need that salvation. I want eternal life in heaven. I'm ready to repent of my sins and give my life to Christ today. Is that you? If it's you here, this morning, would you do this with no one looking around? Could you just slip up your hand real quick and put it down so I can pray for you today? Anyone here say, I just need to give my life to Jesus today. Okay. Maybe you're here and you would say, you know what, I need the Holy Spirit's power to have boldness, to not be intimidated. I need the Holy Spirit's power to be a witness. And I know that without him, I I won't be able to do it. So Brian, would you pray for me today that the Holy Spirit would give me boldness and power like Peter and John had to stand up for the truth when I need to with gentleness and respect. How many of that's you? I need power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, come on. Anybody else? Yeah, thank you. My hand's up with you. Lord, I pray that those are seeking your Holy Spirit, seeking you, God, that you'd fill them God, fill them with boldness. Fill them with just a power and authority that they've never had before. But Lord, fill them with you, Jesus. Produce the Holy Spirit's fruit in their lives so that they can be a witness for you. God, use them and help them not to be intimidated by what the world would say. Maybe you're here this morning and you have loved ones who are lost and haven't found the way, haven't found Jesus, and they need prayer today. And you would say, I'm thinking of a loved one, I'm thinking of a friend, a family member, a co-worker, and today I would like to, to pray for them, to remember them in prayer, because they need, they need Jesus. Anybody here today, have that's you, and you love one, a friend, a family member that needs Jesus? God, I thank you for those that have lifted their hands. God, every hand represents a person who is lost without you. God, I pray they would find the way. You would help us to be open to witness to them, to share the love of Jesus with them if those opportunities come our way. And God, I know that they will in due time. And we can plant seeds and we can water, though we're believing for a harvest. Thank you, Lord, for the good things you're doing in our lives. I pray those things would carry over into our relationships with others. 
that we can make a great impact for your kingdom. Well, I'm so excited for this week as we get to do mega sports camp and over two, around 250 kids are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in our community and have a chance to respond. Lord, I pray that you would just do an incredible work this week. And all of us, Lord, wherever we're at, praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord God, I pray you'd go with us now as we leave this place. Lord, use us to make a great impact for your kingdom this week as we just love people like you would love them. God, we would share you if we have opportunities. We pray for people if we have opportunities. But Lord, speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Give us the power that we need to live for you, God. We're excited to see what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.